Hello, 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 and a big warm welcome back to AA Opera Podcast episode 98, baby. 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 <laughs> yes, it's so exciting to be back with a brand new episode. But before we get into that, how are you? I'm doing good. You know, we're just, uh, you know what? I know it's so mundane to talk about the weather, right? But it must be said. It is freezing cold outside. For the end of February, the, beginning of March? Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's not acceptable. Um, so that has come with its challenges uh, this week. Uh, what else to report? Um, yeah, it's been half term. And it's been a really strange time. Like, I don't like it how uh, the schools don't take half term at the same time. It's kind of thrown off my routine a little bit. It's been, despite that, busy. It's felt probably busier than what it actually is because I haven't had the routine in place. Yeah, um, but you did fill that first week with other things. You did have other things going on. Yeah, I did. Um, but then the week that we've just had, yeah, it, I've had kind of half students, half not, and it's just yeah. been really strange. I just um, realised on Sunday I had half the students I usually do. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's been a bit of a weird week. I'm not going to say it's all sunshine and rainbows. It's just been a bit weird. Well, there hasn't been any sunshine or rainbows. <laughs> there definitely is not. I love that. Well done. Mm, witty. Anyway, how are you doing, Abby? <laughs> I have to say, I am very proud of the lunch I made us today. Yeah, snaps to you. I was going to clap, but you know I'm getting good. Like, snaps to you. On, on, Ooh, that yeah. did sound good. Yeah. Um, uh... What was it again? It's Molly Baz. She used to be on Bon Appetit. Mm. And now she has her own YouTube channel. Mm. And um, it's her Orzo a la Limone. Mm -hmm. And it was very good. Yeah. Lovely amount of lemon in there. Just a refreshing meal. Nice and light. It did not go with the weather. It didn't, but you did say... But I did say it was a good summer dish. It is a really good summer dish. That's what you can say. Okay. But you did say it was a good summer dish so it's on its way yeah you know what's else oh you know what else is a really good summer dish Mm. ricotta dumplings Mm. Mm. with like a fresh salad Mm. so like pea shoots spinach maybe some beets because i like beetroot yeah and then like shavings of lemon on top yeah and a bit of cheese parmesan you don't need because the ricotta is cheese. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I was just picturing a very green salad. I forgot about the ricotta part you just said. Yeah. The but ricotta I'm... dumplings are so easy to make. You just basically take ricotta, you whip it up, you add some flour and some salt, mm. and then you dump them into water. Mm-hmm. Amazing. My chefiness is coming out today. It really is. Uh, but should we crack on with this week's episode? Let's crack on. We are delighted to welcome Ossian to AA Opera Podcast. Ossian uh, is also a RAM alumni uh, and has been on a very interesting journey upon graduation. So we hope that you enjoy the episode. Enjoy. Hello, Ossian, and welcome to AA Opera. So good to have you here. Can you introduce yourself to our audience? It's great to be here. Uh... My name is Ossian Huskinson. 
Uh, I'm a bass baritone. I'm a year and a half out of Conservatoire, the Royal Academy of Music. And I'm currently a Harewood Young Artist at English National Opera. And I'm working right now uh, in Berlin with Deutsche Oper Berlin for a few months. I think that sums up. Fantastic. Very exciting. <laughs> Could you share with us what your first experience of opera was? So it's interesting. I came at it from a slightly different angle, I think, than most people. Uh, my first experience of opera was uh, at the University of Nottingham. Uh, I was doing a music undergraduate degree and um, it, we basically had an opera module. Uh, so my first experience was a very kind of analytical approach. Um, but I do remember the first opera I got to see was Verdi's Macbeth uh, by Opera North. We were given uh, five pound tickets to go and see it, which I think was absolutely amazing. I don't know if they still have a, I think it's an under 30 scheme they have. Um, you can get incredibly cheap tickets. And yeah, I recommend, really recommend going because I was just amazed by the, the quality of the, the production that they were able to churn out. Good old Opera North. Did they come to Nottingham? Yeah, they, they regularly come to Nottingham and still do as far as I know. That's also a really good opera to be a first introduction into oh, yeah. the world of opera, especially as a bass baritone. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it was a little intense, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of good bass bass baritone roles in that. I saw that in a very interesting production in Bologna, and it was like, two D. Two D. Yeah, it was like, it's this famous director. His name is Robert Wilson, and he just directs everything as if it's paper cutouts. So like, everything is park and bark, but park and bark in a good way. Because, like, you're really forced to act with your, like, voice and your things. But, like, like what was it? McDuff Whenever anyone dies, they just raise their hands. But when anyone's <laughs> talking, they're just like, I'm talking to you. And now I'm talking to someone else. So I'm going to turn and talk to you. But, like, it actually really worked. I'm going to Google this. I need to say this. It was really good. <laughs> That's what, that sounds almost like a, a sort of like a shadow play. Or it something. was exactly like that. Like he he directs everything like a shadow play. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. <laughs> um, so like us, you are uh, alumni of the Royal Academy of Music. Catch us up with what it was like for you after you first graduated. And how did you begin to find your feet in the industry? Well, yeah, I, I graduated at a very interesting time because we were just coming out of the the COVID pandemic and lockdown and everything and uh, yeah I think my first job was with Garsington Opera out of uni and we were still still doing social socially distant staging you know we'd, we'd have a stage manager call halt every now and then and bring up literally a, a meter long or two meter long stick and just hold it between people um, and, and yeah, I've, I've been very lucky in a way in that uh, things have just sort of come one after another. It's almost like dominoes or I, actually uh, the, the better feeling is it's like falling forward. 
<laughs> like as soon as I'm like I'm not sure what the next thing is, something comes up. Um, I I think it's part luck, um, and I, I I think I can take some responsibility. But, Absolutely, um, you can own that. <laughs> using using uh, what was available to me, but um, the, the the thing that really set me up was the audition that we do at the end of opera school in front of panels of uh, agents and casting directors. And that actually took place uh, in the London Coliseum, which is the home of English National Opera. And of course, the casting director of the English National Opera was there. And uh, yeah, I was approached shortly after that uh, for a role in HMS Pinafore uh, with, <laughs> with directed by Carl McChrystal, who was also directing Contouri, which I was doing at Garsington. Um, and then from that, I got an audition for The Poacher in Cunning Little Vixen, which was a few months after uh, Pinafore. And then from performing in Vixen, I got to audition for the Harewood Young Artist Program. And then they put me in Tosca and It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, and I've got a, a magic flute coming up uh, this time next year as well. Um, so, yeah, everything has just sort of seemed to follow on from another. Yeah, um, yeah it, it, amaz it amazes me. <laughs> it was so nice to also see you in HMS Pinafore. Yeah, it was sweet. like a pleasant surprise. Like we knew John Swarton was in it. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, Ossian. Oh, Alex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was you, you probably got to see a, a lot more of me than you were expecting. Yeah, that's Very true. true. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, so just as a little side question to that. Um, from your experience then, would you say that, would you advise opera school as a good route into the industry? Absolutely. Uh, I, I think the important thing about opera school that define, at least at the Royal Academy of Music, that separates it from a master's degree is that, well, firstly, it operates almost exactly like an opera company. Um, you know, you get your call sheet, your rehearsals, um, and you get coachings and everything on top of that. Uh, but you essentially get the feel of what it's like to be part of a, a company. Yeah, it's essentially Royal Academy Opera Company. Um, and that is really good experience for what uh, it will be like once you graduate and are working with, uh, like it's very similar to the English National Opera. And yeah, also just as a as a place to work with a safety net. Um, you know, it, it is a place where you can, you know, try things out and tr again, exactly work as you would in an opera company, um, but with the freedom to make mistakes and to correct yourself um, <laughs> before coming up against the, you know, a proper big, big shot director who you know, it's, it's a good way to sort of learn the ropes and learn the rehearsal etiquette and, and just the way things work, really. Yeah, fantastic. And as you mentioned, you're now a Harewood artist at ENO. How has it been for you so far? Yeah. It's been great. Uh, it's a really, really wonderful program. And I think the thing that makes it really unique and really special is that no other program allows the kind of level of tailoring or personalization uh, that you get at Howard Young Artist. Um, so uh, 
as a Howard Young artist, you are hired for contracts and performances and roles at ENO. Um, but there are often gaps between those contracts where you have the freedom to explore, pursue opportunities elsewhere, which a, a lot of other young artist programs, they basically take ownership of you. You know, and they and they they assign you coachings, and they tell you you have to do this. Uh, with ENO, uh, there's a lot more selection, um, and you know they have uh, a pool of funds that is available to you. Um, and a particular example for myself, I, I wanted to explore movement, movement and dance, and basically different ways of using my body to express myself and becoming more expressive on stage. Um, I basically got in touch with Lottie Gulliver, who's in charge of the Howard Young Artists, and said, look, I'm interested in doing this. Would it be possible to book some sessions with, um, you must know Mandy Dimitriou, who was, uh, she was a movement coach at Royal Academy oh, yes. of Music. And uh, taught, taught the, I, I think she's retired now, but she does do like private coaching. And yeah, and they basically ticked it off and said, yeah, you can do that. Um, there have been specific coaches that I want to work, wanted to work with. I've gotten in touch and say I really love to organise a coaching with this person. They've signed off, yep, and covered the costs when I've needed to travel somewhere for for a coaching or for an audition. And it's it's been a little expensive. I've called them up and yep, picked it off. Great. So they're just really supportive and. Um, really making sure that you get what you want and what you need out of the experience rather than being like dictatorial or yeah. steering you. Yeah. And as you mentioned, you're in Berlin now. So you've had those that yes. opportunity that you can take up too. Absolutely, yes. You're now managed by a previous season seven guest of ours, James Black. How did that relationship come about and how does that work also alongside being a Harewood artist? So that's that's a very interesting thing. Um, and it's sort of similar to what I was saying about things just sort of falling into place. Uh, I happened to be doing a production uh, with Dorset Opera, The Magic Flute. And one of James's artists, Felix Kemp, was there singing Papageno, and I was doing Zarastro. And uh, I, I basically got an email from James saying that uh, he was sorry to have missed it. He wanted to see uh, Felix and to hear me. Uh, and to basically say that he was keeping an eye on me and to let him know what I was performing next and he would come and see it. And I basically took the opportunity to write back and say I was very happy to hear from him and that if he wanted, I could organize uh, something a lot sooner where I could sing for him in person and sing uh, my audition repertoire uh, rather than just hear, hear a snippet of me on the stage. And Again, through ENO, I got in touch with Lottie and I said, could could I have a space? Could I have a pianist? Could we arrange this audition? And they took care of everything, signed off on it. And yeah, James came, I sang my pieces. We went to the pub, had a had a drink and a chat. And by, by the end of the day, I had an agent. Fantastic. <laughs> Cheers to that. Cheers to that, isn't that what we all want? Yeah. <laughs> um, as a bass baritone, you often get the pleasure of taking on the role of the villain. Uh, do you have any role in particular that's a favourite of yours that you have already sung or really want to sing? Mm -hmm. Or both? Well, it's, it's funny you go on about taking the role of the villain because I, I, I don't think I've 
played any big villains yet. I think the closest I've come is is the poacher and cunning little vixen. Um, but in in, term, in terms of favorite roles, I think the favorite role that I've done is Bottom in Midsummer Night's Dream. I think there's such a such a charm about the character, and he's so sort of free. And uh, my interpretation of him is, is, is almost childlike, uh, like a toddler-like enthusiasm for everything, uh, which is really wonderful and so freeing when when you're on the stage. Um, but the roles that I would really love to play are, of course, the devil roles. <laughs> the the big, you don't get a bigger villain than the devil, and uh, the Mephistopheles. That's the first uh, thing that came to mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mephistopheles would be a, a dream role for me. I think. Outside of the operatic stage, you have lots of experience performing in oratorios. What's your favorite oratorio, and why? So there are two that come to mind. Um, the first one is Handel's Messiah, which is always a joy to sing. Uh, it's just, for me, it's such uplifting music. The bass gets all these brilliant tunes and the, the trumpet shall sound is just such a such a wonderful piece. And, and the recitative, can, there's an opportunity to make that really magical. So I really love that. Uh, and the other one, uh, I would have to say is uh, the dream of Gerontius, uh, which I had the great fortune of doing. Uh, I think yeah, last year, last November, with the Chichester Singers, conducted by Jonathan Wilcox, and it was the first time I'd ever done Dream of Gerontius. Um, and I remember because I'd only really rehearsed the solo bits. Um, with with the orchestra on the day, and it got to the concert, and just hearing the whole piece and the choir and the, the sort of subject, yeah, and just hearing the the music and the choir and also the the subject matter is incredibly moving. This uh, story of this soul uh, traversing the afterlife, and yeah, I just remember being so profoundly moved by it and i thought this is such a special piece mm. i'll have to listen to that one yeah i've, I've only done the like you know the go-to go-to oratorios <laughs> no do, do do it and 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 have the have the text in front of you as well and, and read it because it's it's fascinating it's really beautiful mm-hmm. it's always funny with different voice types what you notice in in different repertoires so, for example, yeah. like an oratorio, like bass baritones, very much like know to look for like good arias within like these long, very specific, off the beaten track oratorios. Whereas sopranos, you guys have like everything at your doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas also, it's like as someone like me who's a mezzo, it's like mm, okay, well, messiah. Yeah, it could work, but sometimes they'll just give it to the tenor. <laughs> uh, yeah, or, or the, the, what is it, but who may abide, yeah. which I, I, I must say, I think I prefer it sung by a bass. <laughs> See, like, that's it. You, you spend so much time learning all of the ones from Messiah, and then they're like, we're going to have it done by a bass, and the first star is going to be done by a soprano. So, you know, we actually don't need the mezzo. <laughs> Oh, no. But it's also like 
um, Britain's War Requiem is one of my favorite requiems. But nothing for me to sing. Yeah, so sad, sad times. Uh, do you have a, a loathing for countertenors taking up the oratorio work as well? <laughs> it's not that I loathe them. <laughs> it's just that I find that it's just quite a different sound from a like somewhat dramatic mezzo to have then a countertenor. It's a very different sound. But at the same time, mm. because of the type of mezzo I am, I don't really have that much competition with countertenors. Yeah. It's a okay. good thing. It's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, it's it's strange. I think I think countertenors are or a preference for countertenors is a weirdly sort of English thing. Yes. Yeah. In, in, the, in the English uh, sort of concert scene, I, I don't know that a, a countertenor would have as much success in, in this work, in these works abroad. Yeah. I think there's maybe, actually maybe more and more because in the States they have a lot of countertenors yeah. as well now. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Anthony Roth Costanzo is very, very mm -hmm. busy in the States. And all the new operas, nice. like all the very, very. In concert repertoire or in opera? That's true. Yeah, in opera, definitely. He's making his own concert scene. Yeah, that's true. Good for him. <laughs> He's at ARC. Yeah. He'll do whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> but according to Art Desk, you uh, are a bass mm -hmm. baritone to watch. So what is coming up for you? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, here in Berlin, I'm working on Simone Bocanegra. I'll be uh, singing Pietro in that. Uh, and that's coming up weekend after this one, so the 17th and 19th of February. Uh, in May, I'm very excited to be doing my very first Verdi Requiem, That's which I, I think I think may become my new favorite oratorio. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, as a, as a mezzo, that is a really good one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that'll be at the Royal Albert Hall as well, which I'm very oh, excited fantastic. about. Then there's Truffaldino in Ariadne of Naxos, back with Garsington again, which I'm very, very much looking forward to. And a particular highlight with me that I'm very, very excited about is a Figaro in Marriage of Figaro with Dorset Opera. Oh, very nice. That yeah. is a good one. You're going to have, so, like, you have <laughs> such a good variety of roles also coming yeah. up. Like, it's not just you know, the repetition of the same role, you have some really meaty ones in there, too. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good mix. Simon Bocanerga is also a funny opera because, like, the story kind of falls apart so often. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, it has great music. In, in, what, in what way, do you think? Okay, well, get into it. <laughs> Let's dive in. First of all, one of my favorite lines is when let me, he... Let me defend. Yeah. When he drinks the wine, and he goes, this tastes bad. And then he goes for another sip, and it's poison. <laughs> so he, like, double poisons himself. <laughs> and the fact that, like, the whole marrying his... Don't know. Like, it's been a while since I talked about it, but <laughs> the... Um, the fact that he knows about his daughter the whole time, but doesn't know about his daughter the whole time, the daughter for the whole time. Yeah, well, he, yeah, he knows his daughter is missing and is out there somewhere, but he doesn't know who it is. Yeah, but you would think also he would put things together, like, she's the same age. She is, 
kind of looks like if, one of if us. If anyone in opera had any common sense, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's opera. All opera would be an hour shorter. <laughs> no, I know, but specifically that one, like watching it and also like listening to the text and stuff like that, you're just kind of like, just sit back, enjoy the music. The music back. I know, up. but it's one of those ones that I did a <laughs> synopsis for, so I really like paid attention to every single libretto. Mm. Yeah. And it's it's funny. Well, I, I, the, the the water thing. I I'm I'm, I'm trying to remember because uh, I I saw saw our production and saw the subtitles, and I think it was something like even even the spring water tastes bitter to um to him with the crown uh, basically like if, if you're in charge you can't even <laughs> enjoy little things but yeah it, it is strangely remarks he knows it tastes funny but yeah just sort of passes it off as a an existential crisis <laughs> it's just a very funny character i saw it also at the opera house when it was there a couple of years ago it was great um I could talk about opera plots forever. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> so, Asian, where can people find you online to follow along with what you're doing? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Ossian Huskinson, and uh, you can check out my website, ossianhuskinson.com. Uh, and you can also check me out. I'm very happy I recently released an album, which is out on Spotify. Uh, with Lynn Records. It's The Roadside Fire, and we recorded, uh, Matthew Fletcher and I recorded uh, Vaughan Williams' Songs of Travel, and the, the rest of the album sort of follows around that theme of the Vagabond. Uh, we've got a lesser-known cycle by Ernest Farrow, uh, which is three Vagabond songs, and there's some Michael Head and Warlock on there as well. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, we'll definitely check that out and yeah. share it too. Yeah. Um, I guess as, as a emerging artist yourself, we would love to ask uh, mm -hmm. if you could give any advice to emerging artists looking to make way in the industry. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I've only been in the industry for a year and a half, um, but I think that there have been plenty of things I've learned, um, either by experience or by messing up things I things I wish I'd done. And so, uh, yeah, the things I'm going to say now are what I've learned and what I wish someone had told me or told me sooner. Um, the first thing is is going to be put yourself out there and stay visible because I think a lot of the opportunities that I got only really came about because. You know, people knew my name and knew where to get in touch with me. And when they did, I took charge of that and leapt on it and made something happen with it. Uh, yeah, similarly with, with James, like he wouldn't have gotten in touch with me if he hadn't seen my name several places and next to one of his own artists. Um, use everything you have, use all your tools. If you have a pianist friend, get together, organize recitals, concerts, do recordings, um, meet people, friends of friends. And yeah, I, I, again, like I've, I've met so many agents and casting directors and had chats with people just by being sociable and asking people to introduce me if they put me in touch. Um, so yeah, never be afraid to ask either. 
Um, so yeah, the key things boil down to be brave, be decisive, be proactive, and also one last thing, which is a little more sobering, is to be objective. Don't expect too much too soon. Focus on like look at where you are and focus on growing bit by bit every day. And also find someone who will tell you what you can do better. Because the thing is, we, we love having, we, we can be very egotistical. We love have, having people tell us we're absolutely wonderful and all oh, that sounded great. Um, but I think the most useful people in my career and in my life are the ones who tell me that wasn't great. Mm. You, need, you need to be doing this better. This is what you do well. This is what you're doing not so well. And yeah, and help, help me map out. Very good answer. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been amazing getting to talk to you after not seeing you for a couple oh, of years. But yeah, no, it's been great, great to see you guys again. This week's question is, what would your dream career opportunity be? Such a big question and so hard to narrow it down to just one opportunity. But do you know what comes to mind immediately? And it could be because Newcastle United have just played in the uh, Carabao Cup uh, and lost, granted. But my dream career opportunity would be to sing the national anthem at some major sporting event. Ooh. What comes to mind is the World Cup, if England ever got to the final. Uh, but anything, like the Olympics, or any major event to open it with the national anthem, singing in a really glamorous dress, all televised, everything like that, that would be incredible. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> That took a turn I was not expecting, I have to say. Um, that's a really good one. I do not want to be Rihanna at the Super Bowl. No, definitely not. I mean, that performance was quite scary, wasn't it? I didn't get it. I did not get why everyone was so excited about it. I was like, nothing happened. She walked across planks. But they were, like, elevated quite high. I felt a little bit sick watching Yes. It. But I'm saying, like, she walked across them. And there were a bunch of people dressed in white as if they were... Anyway, I'm not going to get into it because I know it's not a popular opinion because whatever Rihanna does is... No, but I saw a much better version. And I know this is really extending the the answer here, but I saw dubbed on social media on TikTok the Oompa Loompa song (laughs) to these... (laughs) people dressed as like white marshmallows and it just was a perfect fit i loved it i heard a bunch of other things that i'm not going to repeat on this podcast oh, okay because they're a bit dirty okay but i heard some funny things um my dream career opportunity i would love to be the character of an opera singer in a period drama that i get to also sing but also be in a period drama and also be like, but like, be like a full-time, like, actor of the series who also happens to have a career in yeah. opera. An integral part of the story. Yes. Yeah. 
I, that's very you and I could see it. Love Keep that vision in mind. Yeah. <laughs> like a Victorian opera singer diva. Yeah. So good. But like a, but if it was like a show about the opera industry or about opera like I think there's so much to say about like the theater world of that time. That's true. There is so much to say. But I equally think that there's very much space within something like Downton Abbey for a character that Well they had was an opera singer, is an opera singer. Yeah, they had Kiri Takawa. Yeah. And she played Nellie Melba. Yeah, but she wasn't like... It was an episode. It was an episode. And also, if you didn't know who Kiri Takawa is, like, you didn't know that that was, like, a big deal. But, like, if Kelly O'Hara on The Golden Age, if her character was also an opera singer... Yeah. Which would never happen because she's high society, that would be awesome. Yeah. But, no, like, that's... I think that would be the dream... The dream career opportunity. I love it. Yeah. Now I have to think of which opera singer I'd want to be. Maybe I'll write a script. That is all for episode 98 of AA Opera. Thank you so much to Ossian for coming on and joining us for a chat. Thank you so much again, Ossian. And thank you to all of you for listening and welcoming us to episode 98. If you really enjoyed the podcast, then please give it a five-star rating and subscribe. Yes, and if you really, really enjoyed the podcast, or if you think we're a bit thirsty and that we should have had a cup of coffee with us this entire time, you can buy us a coffee. Uh, The link for that is in the description of this episode, as well as on our Instagram bio. Indeed. With that, we will be back next week next week with a brand new episode brand new see you then guys bye 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 bye